welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 250 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I'm really excited to be revisiting the conversation I had with Dr. Ezzy Spencer of Lunar Abundance and the new Lunar Abundance Workbook. I have to say that this conversation was really foundational for me, which is my word of the year, because it helped me see how I use my own energy and how I lean into periods of rest and periods of doing in different ways. It's really energy, no pun intended, (laughs) to everything that I do when I realize that I need to take a break and build in downtime. And I also need to honor the times when I feel like I can do more. And some of that is all attuned to what the moon is doing. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So before we get to the show, I want to give you all a very warm welcome and say, I hope you're doing really well and that you can look for the inspiration all around you. Set some intentions and take action to bring joy into your everyday because that is the key to staying happy and sane during these kind of crazy times. If you are new to Jumpstart Your Joy, you can find out more about myself or the show over at the website, which is jumpstartyourjoy.com. You can find the show notes. So there'll be links out to Ezzy's book and you can read more about what we're talking about over the, also at the site, jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Ezzy, E-Z-Z-I-E. You'll find it right there. And while you're on the website, you could sign up for my newsletter, which comes out every week. And then you'll get a a magical little reminder to come and check out the podcast episode that has been released that week. You'll get a little nudge of joy in your inbox. Yay! Every week. And of course, if you are thinking of starting your own podcast, there is a five-day plan your podcast challenge that you can participate in, and it will lead you through setting the foundation, again, the word of the year, for your show so you start off on the right foot. So without further ado, let's jump right on into this really fun and great conversation with Dr. Ezzy Spencer. Welcome to the show, Ezzy. It's a pleasure to be here. Yay! Well, the first question, of course, that I ask everyone is, would you tell us about what you loved most as a child or in school? Yeah. So, I mean, I was a really magical child and Mm -hmm. I would say I was just attracted to anything that was esoteric or cosmic or anything like that. I was stargazing and moongazing all the way back then, but, you know, anything that I could get my hands on, uh, which in suburban Australia was not a lot, you know, but Mm -hmm. anything that I could get my hands on around, you know, like the I Ching or or anything like that, I was just absolutely drawn to it right from, I think, since I could almost start to walk and talk. That is amazing. It's also (laughs) so funny that one of the things like my friends that I used to do is we used to record record a fake uh, radio program so we could see where... where I was headed (laughs) oh my god yeah Yeah. we just look back and and see where we were right it's just incredible how much yeah and of course that ties in so amazingly wonderfully to at least how I first was introduced to your work which is the very beautiful lunar abundance book and now the brand new reflective journal that you just came out with and I first heard of it through the Jess Lively, the Lively show. Oh, Um, cool. Yeah. So I'll link up to that because that's uh, even a couple, maybe two and a half years ago at this point. 
<laughs> yeah, that was a while ago now. Yeah. So would you tell us about the books and how you, how you came about your interest in the moon? Yeah. So I was really, again, just so fascinated at a really young age with the moon. Always had that curiosity about it. When I grew up a bit, I ended up going to law school. I got the grades to go to law school. So there was a bit of a expectation, I suppose, that mm. I would go. And, and I saw law school as the, the ticket for, for a bright future. And indeed, in, you know, in many ways, it was that. I was really glad that I did go to law school because it helped me to get that left brain activated, I suppose. So yeah. really focusing more on the, the logical, rational mind and the analytical way of thinking and ordering and structuring my thoughts. So I, I, I'm glad that I did that in law school and law school as well ended up directing me towards human rights and social justice. So when I was working in the law, I really became particularly impassioned around working. I worked with Indigenous rights, First Nations peoples in Australia, and, and, and I also worked in domestic violence and, and women's safety. It was, it was really purposeful work, obviously, very meaningful work, but in the same way that so many people find when they're in the more traditional kind of professions you know even if it's really high meaning work the hours are very very long there's a bit of a, a disconnection from from one's own body and rhythms and cycles and all of those things and so I really still felt that though I was I was doing work that that I liked I also felt that there was something elemental missing from my life and I also was working that line of burnout that's one of the ways that that manifested yeah. living from the neck up in in so many ways throughout my 20s was that I was constantly getting sick and I was relying on coffee just to to get through the the day just drinking caffeine and loading up and then drinking wine at night to unwind and mm. you know it's not a very healthy lifestyle I really was searching inside of myself to try to find better ways of 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 living so I could live in a more sustainable way and I did start meditating in my mid-20s and I started seeking in a lot of ways and one of the ways that I started to to make sense of myself and how I was feeling and what my true purpose was was around connecting back in with the moon cycle you know looking up at mm. night and seeing the moon which of <laughs> course fascinated me as a little girl but you know had had whispers for my soul as an adult and I would write in my journal how I was feeling what was going on for me but also I would indicate where the moon was in the sky in relation to which moon phase it was in and we can get into that more but what I did find is that there were correlations over time that I noticed between where the moon was in the sky and how I was feeling and that really helped me to slow down it helped me to connect back in with myself to really you know claim and own what it was that I was feeling and what I needed at any one time and it and it helped to direct me into uh, a, a different career ultimately as well yeah I ended up doing a PhD in women's well-being after domestic abuse and one of the one of the things wow. I found as I was doing the the doctorate was that I was able to really honour how I was feeling and what I needed. So I found that leaning back and leaning in at different times of the month, because there's different different moon phases within the moon cycle that support more being and doing, you know, that these are the, the different modes of operating in the lunar abundance practice. Mm -hmm. And I found that not only was I able to be a lot more in tune with myself, but also I was a lot more productive at the end of the day. So I was a lot more relaxed and I had a lot more ease and joy and flow in my life, but I wasn't compromising in terms of the the results or the impact, you know, I still like yeah. 
did my PhD in warp speed and I started the Lunar Abundance business, a, a global coaching business purely by word of mouth when I was doing my PhD because I was so passionate about what I was finding and discovering, you know, about the moon cycle. So I would talk about it with people and people <laughs> would be like, what is this? You know, can I do like sessions and events? And eventually I, I had a course and a program and, and, and then I ended up working, you know, I've worked now sort of online and offline thousands and sort of tens of thousands of people through the world through social media and the book lunar abundance and the journal was was born from many many years of of working with women around integrating the the moon cycle practice into their into their life for more creativity and ease and and joy and and flow i have goosebumps there's there's a few things here like i know that listeners a lot of them have this trajectory similar to what you explained where they've got this inkling of something that they know and that's like kind of calling them forth or you know is inviting them to explore (laughs) and I think a lot of them probably can relate to that thing they want to figure out what it is that they're supposed to do kind of like the lunar abundance path that you followed but then they don't really know and and so a lot of what we talk about here is kind of the baby steps of, of how to get there but the other piece that I just love so much about lunar abundance is that you introduce this idea of there are both being and doing phases. And I think this is, I mean, and you probably hear this all the time. It's so refreshing to know that you don't have to be doing all the time and that maybe that isn't even the natural flow of things. Could you break down what being and doing mean as far as the lunar abundance piece goes? Yeah, exactly. And I really needed this myself. I, I need to really um, you know, headline that, that this mm-hmm. was something which I, I needed to give myself permission to be able to break out of that constant doing and the hustle and the grind yeah. and the going and the going. My natural sort of state was just to be in constant motion. And again, like that led to burnout. And I really feel like it's, it's not just a, a nice to have, like it's not a nice idea just to have more of that leaning back and that permission to relax and restore and to replenish, it's actually the must have. And so if we want to live healthy, sustainable lives and continue to show up with integrity and to, and to do everything that we are here and designed to do, because mm-hmm. I believe that we're all here and the purpose, the mission, whatever that may be for us personally and professionally, and it will be different for each of us. But I do feel like it is absolutely essential. So that's the first thing that I would say is that this is not a luxury, you know, it's actually essential is tapping into the being phases. And so the way that this worked for me with the moon is that the moon cycle is broken down into eight moon phases in the lunar abundance practice. So each one of those eight moon phases will be three or four days a piece because the moon cycle itself is one month. So what that means is that the each three or four days, you'll be switching to a new moon phase. And then those moon phases will be either being phases or doing phases, but they come in pairs. And so the first of the eight moon phases in the lunar abundance practice is the new moon. We call that a doing phase. It's a, it's a yang phase. It's more action oriented. It's around setting an intention. The action doesn't need to be like 
going and uh, you know dominating or like doing a hundred things by the way the action can be very simple this is the lunar abundance practice and the practice is is one which is based on the principle of simplicity so just setting an intention but setting the right intention at that uh new moon phase at that first phase is is really a very you know very productive way to go about it but the next phase the crescent moon phase so the companion is going to be a being phase each month and so these moon phases will repeat each month so every every month but also you know all the time there's this opportunity to switch between these different modes of operating doing and being doing and being and to really cultivate this practice in our lives and then in the invitation here in the being phases is like not to keep pushing and grinding on you know whatever your intention is for that particular moon cycle for that particular month whatever it is you've chosen as your focal point the being opportunity here is just to see what happens when you rest when you lean back when you allow yourself to replenish and and reflect and restore and feel you know the moon represents the feelings and the emotions and the Mm. subconscious mind so tapping into the power of all of that tapping into the power of the yin like the feminine you know that that principle it's all a polarity so tapping into into that aspect of the polarity and the more that people do this the more or when people start this they typically find it extremely challenging (laughs) and that's because we live in a world that celebrates doing and going and thinking all the time and there's a place for that but it's around integration it's about harmony it's around balance and that's one of the things that the lunar abundance practice is able to offer on a very practical level around you know what 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 when do we lean back you know giving us these little permission which is linked to these natural cycles you know linked to where the moon is in the sky you know when do we lean back when do we allow ourselves to be and and these and these being phases of the moon can be really helpful in that way right because it totally gives us that chance to reflect but also recharge because the so interesting that uh conversation with Jennifer Loudon and talking about how there's so much in the productivity movement and like go, go, go and hustle. And just how do we kind of, like you're saying, lean back and not feel like we have to participate at that, that pace. Yeah. So (laughs) that's the thing that I love. And the other piece that I love about what lunar abundance introduces is that we get to start again every month. Like, oh my <laughs> yes. goodness. We can see that whatever the intention is for the new moon through the cycle. Yeah. And then at the new moon again, we get to try either that thing in a different way or change yeah. our mind entirely. It's so freeing. Yeah, it really, really is. And I feel like it's, again, a practice to help us to come back into a state of abundance. And what is abundance really about? It's around trusting. You know, mm. it's around trusting ourselves that we do know the right step to take. And it might take us a little bit of time to come back to that knowing, to that inner voice if we've been divorced from it for, for so long, you know, by listening to external voices, you know, in our, in our lives. But it is around trust, trusting ourselves, trusting our own inner voice, trusting our own intuition, and also trusting that it's okay, like there's going to be enough. The right thing is also going to present itself to us at the right time. And the, the reason why I call the book Lunar Abundance is because it really does embody that principle 
possible, that it's never going to run out. It's okay. You don't need to try to cram it all in and and do it all now from a fearful, you know, scarcity-based place, the scarcity around, oh, my God, you know, there's not enough time. I need it all now, 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 now. No, just relax and, you know, allow allow life to, to unfurl itself for you in its own divine rhythm and its own divine timing. Mm, yes. And I love in the new journal that when you set up how to kind of discover what your reflection or your intention is for the cycle that you that you say this, whatever you find is perfect for you right here, right now, there will always be a cure in the problem itself. Like, oh, <laughs> it's just so amazing because what it takes the pressure away from having to figure out everything right this second as you start the intention, but that mm-hmm. it's going to like you just said, it will be enough and it will show, it will reveal itself to you, like whatever the resolution is. <laughs> yeah, I think, and it's, it's a really interesting thing because, you know, so many of us, I think, shy away from looking at the, the parts of ourselves or the parts of life that we might experience as painful. And, yes. you know, one of the reasons why we don't want to, 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 to look directly at, at the truth, again, of how we're feeling or the truth of a situation in our lives. One of the reasons why we don't want to look at that truth or embrace or accept or see that truth is because we don't want to experience pain. And it's a natural human mm. principle to want to gravitate away from pain. So we, so we numb, so we disassociate, so we repress. And so whilst that's natural, you know, up until a point, it also keeps us stuck. And so there's a real power in knowing that once we are able to really identify that, hey, there is a problem, like, and that's okay, we can name the problem and, and simply by owning and acknowledging the fact that there might be something in our lives that is making us uncomfortable or that, you know, is causing us pain, just simply by owning, owning that is the first step. And then we're in a much better place to be able to figure out how we want to move forward. So we can step into our personal power in that way and, or, and figure out how much personal power do we have in a particular situation. And a lot of the time we have a lot more agency than we give ourselves credit for. And the next question is often like, well, how, like, how do I fix this problem? And so that's what I love about that idea that, um, and Jess Lively talks about this as well, you know, um, that there is a there is a cure in the problem itself. So the problem, what it is that is causing us pain in and of that in and of itself, in the kernel of that pain is actually pointing us in the direction to where it is that we want to go. And our job is to be able to really show up and to see that and to own that and acknowledge that and to go, it's okay that we're not there already. But now I know at least where the arrow is pointing. So then I can start to put some, you know, some, some action around this or some, even some intention around this. And, and then we can definitely continue to move in the direction that, that we, we want to go move in the direction of that brighter future for ourselves. Yes. Ugh. And I know the listeners are going to be like, oh my gosh, she's talking about inspiration, intention, action, which is the words that I generally use to describe how you can get to more joy in your life is you're mm. inspired by something that you see and probably something they're hearing right now. And then you can set the intention of what it is that you want to step into or change or shift. And then you have, I mean, action is implied as well, because without the the movement and the shifting of things, you know, <laughs> 
it's just the hope that it might happen and that's not going to work. Exactly. Exactly. It's the marriage. And again, it's the marriage of the doing and the being. We need need both. One's not actually more important than the other, uh, but it's around exactly as you say. It's very important that the action that you take is the right action, that it's inspired action, that Mm -hmm. it's action which is informed by intention, that it's not just spinning the wheels and and just being on the treadmill and doing all of the busy, the busy work. Because you could take a lot of action that's never going to get you there, you know, without right. that intention and, and without the mindfulness. But yeah, it's the marriage of the being, the doing and the mindfulness as well as the, the action the, or the inspiration, intention. I can't remember how you describe <laughs> Inspiration, it, but... intention and action. Yeah. yeah, that one. Well, so I can also see kind of the nuggets of what you were just talking about in kind of understanding where life is hard. And a lot of this show too came from a space where I had experienced trauma and knew that where I was was no longer acceptable to me and that I needed to find the next thing where I could be the happy version of myself that I knew existed. And that did not come from a relationship, but I can see how lots of times when we have done the work, we can also kind of look back and see how relationships have formed us. And and so I can see how this lunar abundance piece could tie into working with people who are maybe coming through the what effects or an impact of a toxic relationship. I know you work with people who have been in them. Would you like to explain like how you stepped into that and, and I don't know how it works for you? Mm, really good question. So yes, it really, the lunar abundance work really led me into the, the work around toxic relationships in the sense that I had women who were coming to me for the lunar abundance, so people who were also fascinated with the moon, just like I was, you know, what they were really wanting to heal within themselves was the wounded feminine. When we speak about how the doing and the being phases even, the doing is much more around the masculine, if you will, and the being is much more feminine. So when people were gravitating towards lunar abundance as a, as a way to start to reclaim the, the feminine and claim the power of the feminine in their lives, and a lot of the time they were coming from a place of, of, of being wounded in that particular area. So I would find that over and over my coaching clients would find that this sense of perhaps disconnection from their self or disconnection from their feelings or their emotions or, you know, the disconnection from their femininity. And by that, I mean their creativity and their sensuality and their juiciness and all of those things. Mm-hmm. They were finding that through the moon cycle practice, but then it also started playing out in their relationships. So it became a sense of a disconnection in, in relationships. And of course that can get very, very dark in terms of the toxicity, which so many women have experienced. I think it's such a silent epidemic and maybe not so silent anymore you know but but here we're not just talking about the unhealthy power dynamics that can sometimes manifest in in relationships in various ways but it's sort of that darker underbelly I guess of where when somebody is really sensitive or empathic or you know a real giver with a with a huge open heart there can often be a real tendency to to become vulnerable to being targeted to people who who want to use that and want to exploit that and and get into sort of all of the various manipulation strategies and to, to be able to to get that as a, as a steady food source in their lives, if you will. So I found mm-hmm. this starting to present a lot with my clients. And then in a way, 
what isn't surprising perhaps is that tracking back, like this was actually my previous career. So I guess I've always been drawn to these dynamics of power and control and, and wanting to write the balance. You know, there's a lot of integration and harmony and healing and, and justice work that, that is that thread that runs through my entire career or that first career, you know, the law, which seems so different from the lunar abundance work, but has really come together with Relove. And so one of the things that I do now is to help women to recover from toxic relationships. So I tend to work with women once they're out of a, a relationship, you know, they've already identified, okay, right, this relationship isn't, isn't serving me. It's not healthy for me. And it's less about sort of the diagnostics of the other person and all of those kind of things. It's much more around putting the emphasis back on the self and rebuilding a sense of, of real self-esteem, uh, real self-confidence about how one can show up and operate and be in the world as a whole, you know, whole integrated mm-hmm. person and to be able to tap into that sense of optimism and hope and joy about the future, you know, again, joy in the present, but also a sense of like, okay, great. There's going to be a sense of, of hope that I can have that joy with someone again in the future. And to really also tap into that courage that, you know, it's okay. You can put yourself out again, out there again, and, and be able to attract, you know, healthy, well-adjusted people just because you've had an experience in the past that's been, you know, negative or very de- detrimental or, or, or has been destructive in your life. Actually, you're not damaged or broken. It's right. not about, um, it certainly wasn't your fault and you're not damaged or broken as a result of that for the rest of your life. You know, there's, there's a way that we can build a very strong foundation for you and we can continue to move forwards again into a really bright future, but relationally as well as a bright future in terms of your own sense of, of self. Mm, yes. As you're saying that too, I, I think there was something in there that very much clarified for me. Uh, there isn't uh, on the show, I've made the very conscious decision not to have like the joy of relationships as one of the joys that I even explore. And I think it's because of kind of what you just said, where it's because it's about the individual, like you have to know and love and accept, or it's helpful if you do <laughs> know, love and accept yourself. And then you can go forth and, and be a healthy person part of a relationship. But that's why I think I'm more uh, drawn maybe to the the individual and their relationship with themselves than I am with others. Mm. But yeah, I, I love very much what you're saying, especially when people start to identify that they are, that the victim piece or not that they're even a victim, but that the thing that happened to them, that they aren't identifying that that is them. Like that's, I think that's the hardest step for so many mm. people. It's like their story doesn't define them, but that they can go from victim to victor. Yeah, exactly. I feel like a lot of people still carry a lot of a sense of blame, mm. you know, blaming themselves and blaming themselves for either what happened. And sometimes this is on a subconscious level. There can be an intellectual understanding that you didn't do anything wrong, that it wasn't your fault, but it can often then be like a, a actually a contradictory, like subconscious belief that actually it is your fault and you didn't deserve anything better than this and that you should have known and you should have seen the red flags or you should have acted on the red flags and you saw them. But this is a lot of the work that I do with my clients is around helping them to really reclaim that a sense of like deep self-forgiveness and self-compassion and that's ultimately you know the 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 thrust of the program is the relove program which i now do is around helping people to really treat themselves with an enormous amount of kindness right. because then what happens is that then you know when you're able to treat yourself with that deep love and respect and compassion and kindness then you're able to then treat 
others in that way, but you're doing that in a way with very healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very, very obvious to you if someone's coming into your field and, you know, they're not actually really safe or, or healthy or even available. A lot of people after having been through something which has been, you know, extremely, you know, heartbreaking for them, like then wall, the, wall themselves off, you know, and then become <laughs> a little unavailable themselves. So then they keep attracting mm-hmm. these unavailable people and they're like, huh, this is an interesting cycle. Like this person, like why is it that someone is like always somehow living in another city or then turns out that they had a girlfriend or like not currently looking for a relationship? Like so strange, that cycle. You know, and what's really going on there is that on a deep level, usually someone is not actually deeply available themselves. They're keeping themselves safe. They're holding back. They've got some walls up rather Mm -hmm. than really clean and healthy boundaries, which when you have all of that intact, then you're able to naturally attract towards you, you know, people who do want to pursue something with you if that's what you want you know moving into a brighter future in love but also you're going to be attracted to people who are available and who are safe and healthy and and well adjusted as well so that attraction will work in both in both directions once you do this really deep inner work yeah I feel like there's almost like a cosmic bit of wisdom maybe going into play there too of like if if you're putting off that vibe it's like it's, you're actually giving yourself the chance to do the work. Maybe. I, I don't know if like, you know, if you're not really available, it's, it's also an opportunity to look in, inward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Around that. I don't know if someone is listening and they're going, you know, I really, I think I need help. I feel like I've been in a, a toxic relationship. Are there some first steps you could share that might help them if they're looking for like, what do they do next to kind of heal from that? Yeah, well, I do have a free masterclass on my website, ezzyspencer.com. So if people are interested, there's a sort of a deep dive, which I go into in the masterclass to help people to, to heal and to really make some core shifts in the way that they are treating themselves and also showing up in the world. So we dive into things around needs prioritizing your needs, getting, you know, really clear about what your power actually is and how to harness your power. And then having a simple way forward. So a lot of people, when they have this realization, and again, I work mostly with people who are sort of out of the toxic, you know, relationship, I always encourage if someone is in any kind of like danger or so forth, like get immediate support, you know, get like sort of crisis help and getting out and cutting off contact and distancing yourself as far as possible, if that's possible for you then absolutely that would be the first thing and then in the healing recovery process this masterclass would be really helpful my work is less around the diagnostics of the of the disordered person and much more around rebuilding the sense of self afterwards after you've had that experience and so I tend to work with women where they've done all of that research or they've done some of the research you know you've read a few blog posts even and be like oh yes I see myself in that you know oh my god I wasn't crazy this person just actually did a number on me but they might have that intellectual knowing of that but then that still hasn't shifted the what's actually happening in their life right now so they continue to attract people who are unavailable you know they're continuing to either or or, or continuing just to keep themselves totally walled off as a way to stay safe so you know it's really breaking that that pattern that cycle that we we dive into in the master class that might be interesting for for any of your listeners if they're resonating amazing yes I I can totally relate to a past relationship where I was the internet wasn't as big then (laughs) a while but like I remember ordering books and checking them out from the library and reading a little too much Dr. Phil. And it's like a way of gathering the knowledge and trying to, the self-discovery of figuring out, wait, is this normal? 
what is this? And then realizing, no, this just really isn't. So yeah. Yes. Can totally relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) It's such an important step. It's such an important step. Well, so thank you. And I'll link up to Relove and all of that in the show notes, of course. The other thing I would love to talk about is the Lunar Abundance Journal itself. It is so beautiful. I have it in my hand right now. And the thing that I love about it is it really makes the work of Lunar Abundance, the first book, so accessible. Mm -hmm. Being able to go step by step through it is so amazing. We will be airing this on the 21st of January, which I believe is just before the first new moon moon. of the new decade. (laughs) How can people start to work through and with the new moon if they're feeling drawn to doing some of this work on their own? Yeah. So I always encourage, you know, women to start. And in fact, I mean, I'm saying women, but actually, of course, I tend to encounter most people who are interested in the moon are women, but of course the moon is open to all genders. So anyone who's interested in starting with the moon cycle practice is encouraged to start by setting an intention at the new moon. So I'm so glad that your episode is airing then because it is the perfect time to start at the very start. The new moon is the start of the moon cycle. It's the first of the eight moon phases. And then the, you know, the invitation is to, is to set an intention, but we set an intention in a very specific way in the lunar abundance practice. And so I do have... Yeah, in the Lunar Abundance book, there's there's lots of there's a chapter for each one of those eight moon phases in the Lunar Abundance book, and same with the Lunar Abundance Journal. But the Lunar Abundance Journal really sort of simplifies the practice and is much more around the giving a lot more journal prompts, so a lot more ideas on how to craft an intention and examples of different intentions that you could craft. And the, there's examples of like new moon intention setting ceremonies and rituals in both of the Lunar Abundance book and and the Lunar Abundance Journal as well. So the the, the key thing, though, is to make your intention feeling-based. So it's not like it's a goal, like oh, I want to manifest $10,000 in this month, for instance. The invitation is always to go into the feeling underneath that and to go into a deeper discovery of why it is that you want to like manifest $10,000 in this month. For example, you know, maybe it's a feeling of liberation from your shackles of your corporate job that you're looking for. You know, Maybe it's a feeling of stability or, or security that you're craving. You know, maybe it's... It's a, it's a feeling of wanting to nourish and provide for your family. And so tapping into that particular feeling and, and tapping into any of the emotions, like pleasant elevation, elevated emotions, like joy, of course, is a beautiful one to weave into the intention and then also anchoring it in the body. So the physical sensations um, in uh, your body are very, very important in terms of, 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 of giving yourself a cellular memory of that, of that particular intention. So there's a whole process around it. I also do have a free intention setting audio, new moon intention setting audio over on my website, my other website, lunarabundance.com. So essiespencer.com is the place to find the relove um, and lunarabundance.com has, has free downloads like that new moon intention setting audio. It has links to the book of the journal and it also has a free lunar planner for 2020. So if you're interested in like mapping out, like what are all of the dates of all of the moon phases in 2020, there is a free planner over there. On Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. That one. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's such a, I mean, it, the new decade thing feels very fresh to me. So, <laughs> yeah. I think this, this will be, this will hopefully be really helpful to people because like the whole theme of January, of course, is kind of intentions for the new year. So mm. this is a really beautiful invitation for everyone to kind of try this out because I, I have never heard anything else like this and it really is so freeing and so beautiful. So thank you so much 
for creating such a, I mean, visually a lovely book as well. So yeah, it makes a really good, it makes a really good gift, but it's also really beautiful for the bedside table. I wanted to create a book that was going to be like the living embodiment of the lunar abundance practice. And it is, it's really sensual, it's creative, you know, it's feminine. And so the graphics are there for contemplation. The photos are there to activate this sense of the beautiful possibilities and expansion Mm -hmm. and abundance. And, and then there's lots of the, lots of the words there as well and lots of resources and lots of the journal prompts and those kind of things to make it really practical and ground it and to give advice on what happens not just after you set not just when you set an intention and how to set an intention but then what happens after you set the intention like how do you make your intention real how do you take discerning action you know there's a there's a whole system that that sits inside of it so thank you for your kind words I appreciate it I really loved making it as you can tell oh and like all the beautiful photography like it's so lush so a a couple of last questions what advice or thoughts do you have for someone who wants to bring their own dream into the world Oh, I mean, it's just, I would say, firstly and foremostly, it's around trusting yourself. So if there's a dream that you have that wants to move through you, then trust yourself, like trust it, you know, and trust your capacity for being able to birth it into the world because it's chosen you. I'm a believer in that idea that our creative ideas and our dreams choose choose us and we get mm-hmm. to be the conduit to birth them onto the planet. And that's an incredible opportunity. So, you know, trust it. I love that so much. (laughs) And then last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? <laughs> so the first way I'd say is to is to set an intention, you know, at the new moon. At every new moon, I set an intention and I do link it to elevated, pleasant, emotional states like joy. That's really, really important for me to, you know, be able to like tap into how I could be in my own highest, most expressed self because then I'm going to show up in a better way, right? You know, mm-hmm. to everybody, to my clients, you know, to my friends, to my family. I'm going to be someone who's, I'm going to be a lot more pleasant to be around when I'm in that state of joy. So setting an intention, you mean intention firstly. Secondly, I do like to spend a minute a day each morning in meditation, reconnecting with my new moon intention throughout the month. That's an absolutely critical part of the lunar abundance practice. So again, not just setting an intention at the beginning of the day, at the beginning of the moon cycle, but showing up to that intention every single day throughout the cycle. And, you know, that's a way to jumpstart joy on a morning basis you know daily morning basis and again that helps you to show up on a on a be- in a beautiful way especially when you're linking it again your intention to the elevated emotional states that's that's very very helpful and i'd say you know the third thing is around the practice of gratitude and i know it's such a tried and tested practice but that's why we you know are invited to do it, I think, which is that, you know, really, really returning to to that place of of, of understanding just how much goodness we already have in our lives, right? You know, and and particularly when we're considering what else we want to bring into our lives, what we want to welcome into our lives, and we can be forward focused in that way. Sometimes we can lose touch with well what's actually really awesome in the present like what's really working right now and so I need to remind myself of this as well you know having that ongoing practice again a daily practice a morning practice you know in the morning getting up and 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 even the evening practice before going to sleep at night just what's one thing that you're so grateful for right now and that's a surefire way to jumpstart joy Yay. Thank you so much, Essie. This has just been such a treat getting to talk to you about all of this. And thank you so much for this amazing Lunar Abundance book and practice. You're so welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website, and you'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things. It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.